Napa know how. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. seconds up live from Little Italy, San Diego. It is Joshua T. Berglund's morning gratitude, but yeah, you know, it's the afternoon. We are heard globally on the Edge Radio and seen globally on Facebook Live. Welcome, everybody. Um, Man, happy, what is today? What is today? It's, uh, it's Monday. It's freaking Monday. No wonder I don't know what day it is. Anyway, I am so happy to see you guys again. Um, man, I got to tell you something. From So there's all these things that happen from the morning show and then the afternoon because, you know, life happens after the show. And I start my days every morning at 5 a.m. And it <laughs> like it, from what happens from when I do the show in the morning to now. Um, what's up, Nick Harris? Emery, good to see you. Enos, good to see you. Um, so what happens is basically I start my day and we start working. And I've had some of the craziest meetings today. And, wow, it's it's just really, really amazing to see, like, getting to know people's passions and the things that they care about. So it's not just the show. It's not just, you know, morning gratitude that I do. I mean, I actually work. And one of the things that I do is work with people that have things that they really, really care about. And and, and it's a passion project or a cause that they want to fight for. And being able to help people like accomplish those goals is, is awesome. It's so awesome. And so I'm like, I need the biggest deep breath right now. And I really need your support and your, um, your energy today, because I my brain is fried. I mean, it's absolutely fried. But I'm so excited about seeing some of these things come together for people that I really, really believe in. And um, it's been awesome. And so I have a friend that is our guest that I've just met in the last few weeks, but I would call her a friend. She's somebody that um, have a lot in common with. We we worship the same God and um, have a very similar story. And so we've really been able to connect from a heart place. And she's just got a really powerful story and very, very, she's an inspiring human. So I want to give a, um, a really a big shout out to the, uh, the Edge Radio Network. Uh, welcome listeners there. And then also... To all of you lovely people on Facebook Live, if you want to join the show, go to uh, just search Joshua T. Berglund. We're streaming live there or Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. We are there. Easy to find. 
Um, Nick Harris says, love Jamie Hendrick. Yeah, she's good people, man. She's good people. Billy Johnson, good to see you. Rachel, good to see you. If Emery, is that how you say your name, my man? I don't, I don't know if I'm saying it correct. But anyway, great to see you guys. Let's just get this going. We're going to bring Jamie Hendrick on the show, our special guest on – this is called Morning Gratitude. Saying Joshua T. Berglund's saying Joshua T. Berglund's morning gratitude is a lot to spit out, so we're just going to say morning gratitude. But it's Joshua T. Berglund's morning gratitude. Anyway, Jamie Hendrick, welcome to the show. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm good. My head is spinning. I, I've uh, not to make this about me right now, but honestly, just I've had three phone calls back to back to back, like Zoom calls that have been emotionally draining because hearing people's passion and the things that they really, really care about. Yeah. And, and also knowing and being able to feel that heart place and how much they care about it and the weight of responsibility to take on to, 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 to want to help make that happen. It's, it's, it's so freaking awesome. It's awesome. And getting to see their dreams come true is amazing for me. Like I love it. So anyway, and I, and then just, and so, and now it carries over now to another conversation with you who you have quite the amazing story and I, it is a real honor for me to have you on the show. So, oh my God, you know what I forgot to do today? Oh, I didn't have a guest. That's why on my, I was like, I forgot to ask my guest or this morning what she was grateful for, but we couldn't connect. So (laughs) I get to ask you. Jamie, what are you grateful for today? I, well, gosh, there's so much to be grateful for. You know, I knew you were going to ask this question um, because I know that's what your show is about. And every day when I get up and I do my morning stuff, um, I get up about between 2.30 and 3.30 in the morning. And that's all I do is I first thank God for the day because we get to have another day to share his glory or just be alive to serve our purpose. And that's something to be grateful for. I'm grateful for my daughters. I'm grateful for my roommate. I'm grateful for people who support me through Facebook, like yourself, like what an opportunity. Um, You know, think about this five years ago, you didn't have this type of platform where if you wanted your own talk show, you you didn't have this platform to do this. And what an incredible way to really reach people. Otherwise, I always say I want to go into different countries and speak and stuff. But then I realized real quickly when I have somebody from Pakistan messaging me, telling me you inspire <laughs> me. You're, I'm like, I'm really doing this. And it's it's so like I understand the emotion and everything that you guys are everything that you're feeling because it's so exciting and you're like is this really happening you know (laughs) like the other day when I I spoke um and I I have to push this because it's something that like I literally had an intense conversation with God I'm like look dude I'm doing what you want me to do I can't have another year like I've had the last eight years I want to speak help open this door and then before I knew it, I was talking to Terry Smith, and Terry Smith was introducing me to Dennis Diaz, who's the CEO of Empowering Seminars, and I get the opportunity to go and speak and share my story. And 
that's what it's all about at the end of the day, you know, taking your pain and hell that you've been through and just utilizing it and giving it back to other people. I love that. So uh, for the, for the, the people that are watching and listening right now um, on the edge network, and I'm, I'm getting used to saying that. Sorry. Um, sorry. Sorry. Edge, edge radio. <laughs> um, I, this is live. So I'm getting it down. Bear with me. We just had a last minute adjustment anyway. So if for those of the, the, the people listening right now and the people watching on Facebook live, who the heck is Jamie Hendrick? Um, Jamie Hendrick. Actually, can I can I just say that I like to go by Jamie Lynn. A lot of people will know me by Jamie Lynn. Jamie Hendrick is on my Facebook by accident. Um, oh. but on my books, when they go to find my books, Diamond in the Rough and Encouragement Matters, it's Jamie Lynn. But but I, I'm okay. I come from Peoria, Illinois, and um, I I come from a long line of physical and sexual abuse. And I'm going to go a little more in depth with this because I know your show takes time. So at the age of five, I was raped by a family member. And this family member never went to jail. There was never any, like, parental protection, you know. And then um, at seven, probably about seven or eight years old, um, I was molested. There was a man living in our home that um, that, that would molest me and my sister. And we would tell my mom, but she never listened until she walked in on the act. And then my mom's third husband um, was sexually abusing my sister and I, and my sister finally told one of her teachers, I was 10 at the time and we, um, got taken out of the home and was put in foster care while he was put in prison. And then, um, we got to come back home with my mother and the court ordered had said no males to be allowed in the home. Well, my mom, you know, could not and would not live without a man in her life. And, you know, Later, I'll speak about this a little bit later, but there is some understanding in that now. And I just have complete forgiveness towards my mom. But when we went back home, my mom became extremely physically abusive. Um, she tried to kill me once. Um, and it was just, it was insane. And um, so we got taken away again. And then we bounced around from foster home to foster home. I ended up going to a- Wait, Are you saying foster home? Yes, sir. Okay. I, yeah. Please call me Josh. Josh, sorry. <laughs> yes, okay. yes, Josh. But yes, we we bounced around from. Well, we were all in one home. Um, wow. When I first started out, and then they took my sister out of the home, and then I like went crazy because you know when when I was younger, like I protected my sister and brother, and it was like I was mama bear. So right. when she got ripped away, that really did something to me. And so um, I started acting out and then I was taken out of the home and my sister, brother, and I never lived together after that. Um, and we're adults. And um, so I went into a group home and was there for about a year and a half. And I got, I went through the whole course and then went back into the foster care system and bounced around from foster home to foster The crazy thing about foster homes is they get the option of, okay, this kid is just too much for me. This kid is too mouthy. This kid is too um, whatever. And I understand in some situations, kids are too much. But looking back on it, if I would have had foster parents that 
really honed in on my skill, they would have realized that it was leadership skills. My smart mouth, my strong attitude. <laughs> I was very, but I was very strong willed. It was like, you can't tell me nothing. I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, right. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that I didn't have foster parents that cared for me because I did have a couple of families that were, that's how I got introduced to Christ. And I thought the, I was 14 and that family, like, oh my gosh, I was like, you guys are Jesus freaks. This is insane. <laughs> like, wait, like I had new kids on the block tickets to go see the new kids on the block. Yeah, we can be friends. <laughs> Okay. We can <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna have to break that out again for an intro. Oh my gosh. Um, the intro song you had for me was so dope. Like I was over here just getting down. <laughs> but, I mean, I asked if I could go to this concert, and they're like, "We have to pray about it." What? I'm 14. That was weird to me. But um, lo and behold, that was just seeds planted. But at the age of 18, because I like I. Again, I'm dealing with a bunch of rejection. I'm dealing with, you know, being a teenager and and hormones. It, it, I just didn't know how to fit in a family setting. I just didn't. It wasn't, you know, how I was. But at 18, I ended up getting pregnant and had an abortion. I got oh. pregnant at 19. I was actually on the pill when I got pregnant, but I wouldn't change anything for the world. Riley, if you're listening, no, you were in an accident. I was on the pill and I ended up putting her up for adoption. We are now in contact and I've been in contact with him, her for the last eight years. She has a little boy in love with both of them. And then um, at 20, I had another child and um, I kept her. And when she was nine months old, I got into stripping and I started dancing. Um, wait, 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 I'm so sorry. What did you say? You got into what? Stripping. I was a stripper for four years. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you said okay. I'm sorry. Got it. No, no, no. You're fine. Interrupt please. your show. No, I don't. I'm not. I want you to tell your story, but I wasn't clear. I thought you said dripping, and I didn't know if that was some kind of weird, like, <laughs> uh, like a drug thing, or no, I didn't know. No, I didn't know stripping later. Like I was okay. like, but during that four years. um, there was a couple of times in that that I had tried to commit suicide. And like the the second time that I tried to commit suicide, I um, was almost successful. Um, I took a half a bottle of Tylenol with a whole bunch of other pills. And the lethal amount of Tylenol you can have in your body is 140. My levels was like 170, 175. And I was in ICU for um, like three or four days. Um, I just drank this stuff called Mucomist. It was the most disgusting stuff I've ever tasted in my life. They tried to put it in Coke, but it tasted like rotten eggs. And I had to get like 18 to 20 doses of that in me. If I didn't, they said my liver was going to, um, something was going to happen to my liver and I would have died slowly, basically. But um, lo and behold, God had different plans. Um, and then I got out and the last year I was dancing, I got into drugs and alcohol pretty heavy. And, um, my, uh, uh, was up in Omaha, Nebraska, and I was on a three week bench. Like we were getting high and drunk every day by noon. And when, when I say doing drugs, I wasn't just smoking weed y'all. Like I did Coke, I did ecstasy, mushrooms, 
At one point I snorted heroin. I didn't like that. Like I didn't like that, but ecstasy and Coke were my drug of choice, but I would try anything just in, and it had to be an upper because I, I hated feeling stuck and stupid, but we were all partying. And the last night <laughs> stuck and stupid. Yeah. Like, I have to say, I've never heard that before. Yeah, no, when, when, when I would smoke weed and just sit there, like I, I couldn't do that. But, um, the last night I was in Omaha, Nebraska, um, I was at a party and witnessed my cousin Brandy get beat up by four girls and two guys. And she was in the hospital, dislocated shoulder, had to have staples in her head. And I went in the parking lot and I said, there has to be a better way. I have to change my life for my daughter. She's 21. And, um, now, but she was four at the time. And so I went home and I cold turkey quit everything. Um, I went to the back of the Bible and looked up pain and I went to Jeremiah 15, 15 through 21. And it's so bizarre because God said, if you are faithful to me, basically in the scripture, he said, I will use you as a spokesperson for me, you know, Mm -hmm. and he basically showed me that I never set married with these people that I tried to like, basically told me you're not ever going to fit in. Because right. I, have a, I have a purpose for you. And I didn't understand it then. But, you know, it's, it's like I, I understand now. And that's all that matters, you know. And I, sometimes I'll look back and then reflect. And, you know, even as I was saying the, the, the prayer in my room. And that's something. Whoever's watching this, who's ever going to be watching the replay. When I accepted Christ, I didn't do it in front of a group of people. I didn't go to the altar and accept Christ. I had seeds planted when I was 14, 15, 16 years old from foster families. And I just knew what to do. And I just said, God, I I have no more control. I can't do this without you. I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I didn't know how my walk was going to be. But it has been definitely a journey since then. And that's where a diamond in the rough comes in. Because I talk about my journey as a Christian, because people think when you get saved, that all these, these things that you just become this perfect, oh, well, you're a Christian. Why are you still drinking beer? Because I'm not delivered yet, okay? I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I, I mean, I would have family members do that to me. Oh, I thought she got <laughs> No, I mean, look. Because I'm not delivered yet? Yeah, I wasn't delivered from that. I don't think Jesus cares if you drink beer. I like yeah. tequila. I mean, I just make it's about choosing to make the right decisions for your life. And yeah. and like, does this? How does this affect my testimony? Does this affect the way I am? Does this affect my interactions with Christ? That's what it's about. Yeah, you know, and making the right decisions for your life, and that's and that's a personal decision between you and God. No one else. It's no one else's business. Right. I love it. I love that. I like that. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. But yeah. So I, I came home and I changed my life. And um, I and I went to rehab, took myself out of rehab because I just, it, rehab was not for me. And I ended up going to Florida for six months to a program called YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And that's where you train three months at a base. Um, and you're, what is beautiful about YWAM is you're like literally in this God bubble for three months 
and 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 you you literally like worship every day you it, it was just beautiful as a new christian to go and be in something like that and then you go into a third world country for three months and share the gospel in like a third world country and mariah it was brianna we were going to go to india we were going to start off in sri lanka and go up to delhi and then break off and go to bihar and work in the orphanages but that didn't work out god had a different plan and i didn't understand then but he revealed to me years later that it was basically him protecting my daughter because that whole team got really sick and so i don't know that her body could have physically handled the the culture and the atmosphere not the culture but the atmosphere of things like they got really sure. down and she was she was five so I, I hindsight 2020 he was he was looking after her and so I ended up moving up to Franklin Tennessee um my one of my foster families had had moved um here to Tennessee and that's how I ended up in Tennessee and then I met my ex-husband in 2005 and moved to Clarksville was married for five years and went through two deployments with him he came back from the second deployment and didn't want to be married anymore. And let me just say this. I talk about this in my book, you know, with marriage um, and the whole divorce. I take full responsibility for my part in that divorce um, because I didn't know how to deal with the rejection. I, I had come from so much rejection in my life that my way of dealing with the rejection was to drink or run from it. And I couldn't run from it. So I turned to alcohol. And I ended up getting a DUI in 2009. And let me tell you, that was no joke. Like, I woke up in a jail cell not knowing why I was there. Do not remember anything from the night before. And come to find out, I had put the car in the ditch. And I, look, to all of you who, like, mother's skin I get that. I was not in my right mind. I don't agree with that. And... I went through some stuff because of that. And uh, like we went out to California and then I went through my divorce. It just, and it was a nasty divorce. And I still eight years later go through hell with him because for some reason he doesn't let things go. It's in, and so, you know, it's just ongoing stuff, but my whole purpose in life, my whole purpose of sharing all this stuff that I've been through and I've been through so much more than what I'm telling. Like I wrote it in the book. I've been betrayed. I've had people walk out of my life. But once you learn and you can take things like this is how I get through my life. And I overcome people are like, how do you get through this? How do you stay so calm? How do you? Because if you can look at a person and look beyond what that person is doing to you, then you can you can move forward because I may be just the direct person in line of whoever hurts you. You know what I mean? Wow. And, and so I I have a tendency to say people are seasonal. And I think if people can grasp this too, people are seasonal, lessons, and they can combine or they're a lifetime. But what a lot of people like to do is they like to grab onto people and think that they're a lifetime and they're not, they're seasonal. Let that person go, you wow. know, let them go. And if somebody wants to walk out of your life, boy, bye, girl, bye. <laughs> 
that just leaves room for, you know, the right people to come. And that's something about me. I don't, I just, I don't face people like that anymore. You know what I mean? It, it's just, it's not how I roll. Can't do it. Wow. What a story. I know. So tell me about, tell me about the book. I mean, because I haven't, I, I didn't, you've written a few books, right? I have. Um, I was in a five-page spread called Leading Ladies, and that basically, it is a little more in-depth about my childhood testimony, you sure. know, and Simon in the Rough is basically my walk with God and how I just said, you know, because somebody th- came to me and they were like, so Jamie, do you think you put too much in your your book? And, you know, I'm, I'm going back, look, I'm like this, I'm like, did, did I, do I need to... Well, if I take that out, then this don't make sense. And then at clear as day, I just heard God say, this is your brokenness. You know, this is your brokenness. They weren't there behind closed doors. They weren't there when you went through that beating with your mom. They weren't there when that man put his hands on you. You weren't, they weren't there. They were not there. So how can they tell me how to write my story? And so that's basically what I did in Diamond in the Rough. I just divulged, you know, relationships that I had been in and that church hurt. And I uh, went through church hurt. I had my best friend betray me. I had, you know, my ex-boyfriend up and walk out of me on the middle of the night. Like, I have been through some stuff. But at the end of the day, I promise y'all this. I love those people, even though they're not in my life. And, right. and I got on my page the other day and I talked about that, how you can love people still, even if they're not in your life. And if you think about them, pray for them, you know, because it's, it, it, I, I guarantee you, it's not about you when you get hurt by a person. It's stuff that they're going through. Hurt people hurt other people. Amen to that. Yeah. As, and I say that as someone that's done a lot of hurting to yeah. like hurting other people. Yeah. Um, and because I was hurt and, and it, it doesn't, it doesn't justify mm-hmm. doing it, you know, and, but man, do I try to live my life every day to make up for that? Because yeah. it, it, it's, but it's so true. And, and being able to pray for the people that hurt you and mm-hmm. that, that takes strength. And I, I want to bring up something. I want to ask you actually, were you able to look at, all of the people that have hurt you along the way, are you able to look at them now and look at them and be grateful for being hurt by them? Absolutely. Absolutely. I wouldn't be the woman I am today. Um, I don't have one person, not even the man Amazing. who um, raped me when I was five years old. Do you know that same man? That same man got his own daughter pregnant years later. Yeah. That's- but, wow. He died a horrible, painful death. Not that that's what you want for somebody. Um, but, you know, you can sit back and people, you watch. My ex-husband, okay, and I'm sorry if this bothers anybody, but I, I have to talk about this stuff. Speaking. It's, it's been eight years since we've been divorced, okay? And I, I have done amazing things. I tried to work with this man. And just recently, like, he says to me, you know, you're a turd and you're not doing anything with your life. And it breaks my heart because it's not because I'm in love with him. It's like, 
move on, get over it and let's co-parent with your daughter. You know what I mean? And, and I told my daughter the other day, I was like, Miha, um, we just have to pray for him. You have to pray for people. And it really bothered me. And my friends were like, why does this bother you so much? It bothers me because, you know, I'm raising his daughter, you know, and, and it's, it, it, people just need to heal. And, and my whole point in telling my story and sharing and being so raw and transparent with people is because you can overcome, you can forgive my mom, my mom. Okay. My mom and I never had a really good mother daughter relationship. We did not have it. And I talk about this in diamond in the rough and uh, my aunt Diane came up to me the day we buried my mom. My mom passed away in 2003 and I had to take care of everything. I was the oldest. I had to do all the arrangements, all of that. And my aunt Diane came up to me and told me just one story about my mom. In that moment, in that moment, I learned to forgive my mom for not ever being the mother she ever was to me. So the most beautiful thing that came out of my mother's death was forgiveness, you know, and, and I tell you what, I wish that she could be here today. And I knew the things that I know now, because I would love her differently. You know, I would definitely love her differently. God, you know, that is so true. I, I didn't forgive my father until after he died and I was still angry. I was pissed. Mm-hmm. I, think I still, I mean, I think I hated him more after he died, but then of course I had my moment I've shared in, in the, in a, in the jail cell. And when I, when I found Christ and that moment of actually, I, it took me having compassion for mm-hmm. my father before I could forgive him. And that was the part that I couldn't quite figure out for a long time. But mm-hmm. I think back now and, uh, Karen asked me, I think it was about three months ago. She goes, are you able to look at your relationship with your father and look at it and be grateful for it? Be grateful for the pain. Be grateful for everything you went through with him. And like I asked you, and I was like, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I think, like, I'm able to literally to think about every situation mm-hmm. because it's allowed me to be able to relate to other people in a different way. It's allowed me to have compassion in ways that I would have never had before. And it's allowed me to forgive myself for being a crap father. And now but it's inspired me to be a better father. But it's just really, really changed a lot of things for me. So I I love that. I love that you're able to look at that as forgiveness because, yeah, I, I, I don't look back with regret now. But I do know that I would have done things so much differently. And that's part of having a voice and part of what you're doing with your message is like, don't make the mistakes that I made. Forgive now, have compassion now, seek yeah, help yeah. now, have a voice now. Yeah, and I love yeah. that that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely do that. And I also, I, when, when people are going through things, um, I say to them, the pain that you are going through, yes, it sucks right now. Yes, it hurts. And we don't discount that. But just remember this pain that you're going through, it's not for you. Amen. Your pain is never, ever for you. You know, I, um, 
Just this weekend, I went to a funeral for a seven-year-old little boy. Jeez. The most gut-wrenching thing I have ever in my life been to. My heart went straight to the parents. It was almost like I was broken for those parents. But I tell you what, I, I know that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt with this family. Once they heal from this, the lives that they are going to be able to touch is going to be out of this world, out of this world. Because I literally hovered over the mother as she's holding her son in this casket, you know, and, and wanting him to come back, you know, and you knew that that wasn't going to happen, but their story. Right. Just going to just touch people's lives and that's what I want to do. I want to be in that place where like people are just like, wow, thank you for sharing your story. I had a 64 year old woman that read Diamond in the Brown came up to me and said, I just want to thank you for giving me this book. She said, because it made me realize that I could become an alcoholic if I'm not careful. Mm-hmm. And she said, thank you for being so transparent with your story. You know, so many people are scared to tell the nasty parts of their story, but those are the very deep parts and the very places that people need to hear because there are people that are sitting feeling like they're the only ones going through that. And as we all know, you're not the only one going through that, but you don't tell somebody that when they're in it, you know, but somebody else needs to hear, you know, um, that, 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 you were on drugs or alcohol or you were raped. And um, can I go ahead and do the big announcement? Because it intertwines with this. It's your platform. Ah, uh, thank you. So what I'm doing is I'm relaunching the Jamie Lynn show Raw and Real. And what I is people that have stories that are just really ready to share. And I called Josh and I was so excited. I was, Josh, listen to this. I want people to come on and I don't want to talk about business. I don't want to talk about you wanting to make millions of dollars because we all know everybody on Facebook wants to make a million dollars and they really have this um, program for you and they can give you five steps to success. We know everybody's doing that. But my authenticity <laughs> is this. My authenticity is I am relaunching my Jamie Lynn show for 7 o'clock Monday nights. I'm going to have a different guest on who is going to share an incredible story. So if you have a story and you – I don't want no white picket fence, white house. No, I want to know the dirty stuff. I want to know – you know, I want to know it all. Not just for me, it's not for Jamie, but it's for the glory of the Lord. And I say it like that because I'm just raw and real like that. But I want people to hear other people's stories so so they know, Jamie, thanks for having that person on because it really touched me. It moved me, you know, and it helped me get out of my depression. It helped me and prevented me from committing suicide. You know, that is my purpose. And for a long time, people were like, what is your niche? Who's your target audience? Well, my my niche is people that are hurting, male, female. I know I have to narrow it down, but like Facebook is a pretty large audience, you know, and I just, I don't know how else to be, Josh, 
other than raw and real. I don't know how else not to tell my story because it's too much not to tell. It's too much to keep inside. And what a waste of pain to go through all that and not give it back to somebody else. Shame on me if I didn't. Sorry, I don't know who Johnny Sins is. So, <laughs> with the, I don't know who that is either. Um, really <laughs> quick, I want to give a shout out. I don't know if I want, I'm not Googling it. It just sounds like it's going to make uh, my, yeah, I'm not Googling that at all. Um, guy, wait a minute. Is he the guy that would do, uh, no, you don't look like him. No, I don't know. Anyway, um, the, I just want to give a shout out really quick to our listeners on the Edge Radio. Thank you guys so much for listening and everybody watching on Facebook. This is uh, Morning Gratitude uh, in the afternoon. And uh, I'm your host, Joshua T. Berglund, and we are with the amazing Jamie Hendrick. Um, I really, sh- the, the Facebook audience, Samuel, great to see you. The guy that, oh, wait, here, he's not the one that said it looked like Johnny Sins. Mommin said that. Carrie Ann, good to see you from Boston. Denise, good to see you. Brad French, Nick Harris, Denise, uh, Helen, great to see you. Enos, all the way in Jordan, great to see you. Brad what? French, I already said that. Yeah. We have people all over the world here. It's amazing. Thank you guys so much for joining uh, Morning Gratitude. Yes, I know it's 1.30 in the afternoon Pacific time. Um, Jamie, amazing. I'm so excited about your show. Uh, absolutely, really, really stoked about your show. Thank you. And um, this is for you. <laughs> oh. Hey, raise your hand. I'm not dancing to this song. I will. Can you do the dance? What is the... When they go... What is this? They go... Are you kidding? Like that? <laughs> is that really... <laughs> what? Is that... <laughs> and that's how we I'm, I'm too big to do that. I'm not doing that ever again. Moment. see you later. Take care. Carrie... Good to see you. Uh, <laughs> it's morning everywhere. Oh, geez. Sorry, that was for you. Um, if you were listening on the radio, you didn't see that. And um, I don't know if you wanted to, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, uh, the Great Smoky Mountains of North Carolina. That sounds fun. I'd love to see that place. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Ah, yeah. All right. Okay, okay I Jamie. I see Carrie. Carrie, hi. Nick Harris, I just want to say thank you so much. Nick Harris has been a great support for a Yeah, while. he's amazing. Yeah, he's Actually, and, and Brad French and Carrie, I mean, like, it's just. Yes, Brad. Hi, Brad. <laughs> I can't see them all. I, I'm going to have to go back and look at all the comments. Yeah, it's great. Um, all right. Yeah, don't that may never happen again. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Jamie. Yes. Thank you for um for joining the show. I'm really excited for you and what you're doing. Um you're definitely somebody I keep in my prayers and I, I'm rooting yeah. for you all the way. Wish you nothing but success uh on your show. You will be welcome back. Thank um you. Just really, really thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. You too. All right. I'm never, ever, ever 
dancing again until I dance again. Um, can I do this? Should I? She's dancing again. Hold on. I'm putting her back on. You should see her dancing right now. I'm going to put her back on. She- <laughs> All right. We're getting out of here. I got to work. <laughs> I got to. I have to go back to work. I, I, you know, this is not my job, folks. Uh, <laughs> I want it to be, though. Anyway, I love you guys. Thank you so much for joining uh, af- the afternoon edition of Morning Gratitude. I am your host, Joshua T. Berglund, and uh, I love you guys, and I will see you in the morning. I've got an amazing guest, an amazing guest. Anyway, take care. Love you guys. Bye-bye. For garden color from the ground up, start with the ground. Vigoro Colored Bark Mulch from the Home Depot. Now, three bags for just nine bucks. It protects your plants beautifully and maintains its color for up to 12 months in shades of red, brown, or black that really set off your garden, not to mention your spring. Bring on spring color with Vigoro Colored Bark Mulch. Three bags, nine bucks. Now at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 60 per customer. Color selection varies by store.